Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books there. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> we really can't use that for the whole summer, right? Uh, I just thought yeah. about that. Yeah, we got to be careful now because uh, we're, we're talking about, we'll probably talk about books, but we're definitely not reading, at least not for yeah. the podcast. I haven't read anything yet. So um, welcome to Booked, where we talk about stuff. Where two guys tell you about their lazy summer of podcasting. I'm Livia Snedden. <laughs> I'm Rob Olson. Today we're going to be doing an interlude. Uh, we just came off of doing six book reviews in a row. And so we, what... Is it really? Yeah, six Holy in a row. Crap. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> so what better way to uh, to kick off our lazy, lazy summer of podcasting, uh, you know, than by like not, you know, reading anything or interviewing anybody or anything like that. <laughs> Here's what really happened. We're like, we're just going to do like interviews and have guest hosts all summer. And then we were too lazy to ask anybody. So we are off to a fantastic start on the lazy summer of podcasting. Um, we we do have we do have one, maybe confirmed um, guest for our next episode. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little later. But first, I'd like to take a minute and talk about our last episode. Um, I would love to talk about our last episode. So Brandon Teets joined us for um, for I, a, I had a ton of fun. Seriously, I had a blast doing that episode. We reviewed um, Grey by E.L. James, which is the second coming of Fifty Shades of Grey, um, told from the point of uh, point of view of, of Christian Grey, blah, blah, blah. At any rate, super fun episode. I somehow missed that Brandon wrote an article about this for um, for his website. Is this a recent development? Uh, it went up either today or yesterday. Today We're recording on Sunday the oh, okay. 5th, so... Um, the 5th being the day after 4th of July. We always record on or around a holiday. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I gotta be honest with you. I worked my ass off today and did not pay a ton of attention to the social medias. So, um, I missed it, but I'm assuming that you, you read this. I did. Tell us a little bit about this article. Well, it, it first of all, it's got the Brandon Teets wit to it, but, uh, essentially he reprises some information that was, uh, talked about during the review. Uh, but but it's nothing, type, nothing nothing copyrighted. I hope uh, nothing we said. Okay, good. Uh, it's titled "Why Everyone, Especially Writers, Hates E.L. James." Hate E.L. James. Why everyone, especially in parentheses, especially writers, out of parentheses, hate E.L. James. I'm wondering about the plural, plural plurality of that with hate or hates, because he's saying everyone. Yeah, so we're going to critique the. The artists. <laughs> I just—I mean, kind of a gray area there. Fifty Shades of uh, fucking title, yeah. Oh, you see what I did there? Oh yeah, it's beautiful, wonderful. <clears throat> um, breaks it down into some specific reasons why everybody hates her. Um, that she writes fan fiction and basically uh, she's making a ton of money off of uh, unoriginal ideas. Uh, she's a shitty writer, and he goes into quotes from the Gray Book. A lot of which are familiar with, uh, uh, such as her sharp intake of breath is music to my dick. <laughs> For the ages, that one. That seems to be everybody's favorite because I've seen that <laughs> quoted in, in a, a variety of places. So um, uh, apparently, that's 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 the one. That's the one that everyone loves. Um, um, another category is she's a shitty fan fiction author that also promotes abuse. We've covered that territory thoroughly. Um, she got rich 
and she's rebooting her, rebooting her work a mere four years after the original book came out. Oh, and he pointed out something that I had never considered before, but if you look at the cover of Grey, it's strikingly similar to the Stephanie Meyer book, The Host, the cover for that. Oh, you want to know why you didn't notice that? Why? Because nobody read The Host. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Do you remember that one time we went to the... Um, Printers Row Lit Fest, and I tried to get you to buy the book. Yes, and you didn't actually, do it. Yeah, no, I got to be honest with you. I think they even made a movie out of that that nobody saw. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that's that's why nobody noticed it. But good. I, are they on the same publisher? Because I, I guess I never looked at that, but Ooh. it seems it seems that those two catch the same flack pretty frequently about you know crappy writing and writing you know abusive relationships and blah 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 all that crap. Um, this bear's looking into. I'm going to. Why did I go to the Barnes and Noble website? They don't give you information. Which one do you want me to look up? I'm looking up Gray. If you want to look up, uh, all right, I'll look up Twilight Publisher. Cool. Little Brown and Company. Um, wow, that was fast. Uh, her publisher is Vintage. Okay, so they're not the same. Unless they're like owned imprints. by. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see, more about Little Brown and Company. Is American Publisher, Coffin, James Brown. James Brown? <laughs> James Brown? Like the godfather was, of soul? It was, it, was, yeah, it was founded in 1837, which sounds about right, by Charles Coffin <laughs> Little and his partner James Brown. I really wish I could do a good James Brown impersonation right now. Oh, man. <laughs> like a sex machine. Um, all right, so. Oh, see, that makes sense. Sex machine? Mm-hmm. Is it some yeah. bone in with wolves or something in those no. vampire books? There you go. Um, Vintage is an imprint of Knopf Doubleday. Okay, so they're not the same publisher. But I thought, you know, you get where I was going with that. I got it. Good thought. Get some, <laughs> yeah, well, well. Put on your uh, your uh, deer stalker cap, get some investigative journalism going on. There you go. We Googled the shit out of that. <laughs> Um, so at any rate, head over to um, BrandonTeats.com. Um, if you do it quickly, it'll probably be the top post on there, I'm assuming. Uh, I'm going to do that after we get off this podcast. I'm, I'm interested in hearing more Brandon's thoughts on E.L. James. It's good. That article was music to my... I think you know what I'm talking about. Oh, we, yeah, we know. We know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, which takes us on um, very smoothly into our next topic. Um at some point, people need to figure out that Twitter is not the place to do. Like, if you want to do an Ask Me Anything, there's actually a place for that. It's called Reddit, and they have a uh, subreddit, a forum, for those of you who, uh, who aren't familiar, um, called AMA, which is Ask Me Anything. Um, which is moderated. They, it's moderated, yes. Uh, but, I mean, you know, some big names have been on there, like, I don't know, Obama. Yeah. Yeah, and, and some other big names, I'm sure. But, I mean, I think, like, Paul McCartney. I mean, they get top, top people. Arnold Schwarzenegger's been on there. Yeah, and I can only imagine that if you're E.L. James, you could probably, or, or, you know, her handler, could probably shoot off an email to Reddit and be like, hey, I represent E.L. James, she'd like to do and and ask me anything. And they would probably be like, yeah, that's a big name, we'll take her. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't want to send an email to Reddit, here's what you can do. You can just go on Twitter and create a hashtag and ask (laughs) unmoderated public to ask questions 
of the person you represent. This um, has gone poorly in the past. The one that really comes to mind was the, the New York Police Department did something. Do you remember that? It was probably like six months ago. No. It was like post a picture with a cop. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And that's all I'm going to say. You can imagine how that went from there. It was just, just pictures people of posting like pictures with cops. Yeah. Cops brutality and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was it was terrible. Um, so uh, uh, this went um, as poorly, may, maybe even worse for 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 E.L. James. Yeah, so at the end of June, I think it was the 28th or 29th, E.L. James, uh, I think it was her publisher, I don't know, they, they coordinated a hashtag, Ask E.L. James, and you could just tweet anything with that hashtag, and E.L. would be watching them and responding to them. <clears throat> um, now, I had always just kind of thought that this was like a, a phenomenon that kind of just grew out of people seeing it and being like, hey, wait a minute, and then responding, but... Uh, I was digging back through the timeline because I wanted to pull out some of my favorite tweets. And there were people that were posting before the actual, like, time that it was supposed to start that they were going to take over the hashtag to confront her about shit. I don't know if you knew that. Um, no, I did not, actually. So it was going to, I mean, it was going to go bad even before it started. Like, everybody should have just known it was a bad idea. Um, but it was very... <laughs> For me, pretty fucking entertaining. I've got a, a handful of, of some of my 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 preferred tweets. If uh, if you want me to read them, um, I'll even I'll I'll take some of the workload off of you, Perfect. and then although I would like to say ahead of time, and we'll talk about this afterwards. I do not support this in any way, shape, or form. I support us talking about it. I don't support what actually transpired. All right. <laughs> I'll do the first one. What do you dislike more, independent, strong women or the English language? Hashtag ask E.L. James. Hashtag ask E.L. James. If E.L. James asks for these tweets to stop, does that mean she really wants them to continue? Oh, sick burn. Hashtag ask E.L. James. I need advice on making a big romantic gesture. Should I put a GPS tracker in her phone and make threats if she tries to leave? Ooh. Hashtag ask E.L. James. After the success of Grey, have you considered retelling the story from the perspective of someone who can write? It's cold, dude. That's, that's really, that that's one's cold blood. I'll give you that. that, that here's, okay, <laughs> we'll talk. Go ahead. Uh, did you see the abusive relationship of Bella and Edward and think, hmm, needs more abuse? Hashtag ask E.L. James. <laughs> God, I love this. Hashtag ask E.L. James. Seriously, why did you ignore them block me when I told you I was a survivor and suggested you maybe donate to an abuse charity? I had to put one in that just brought it to the real place. Because I saw that one and I was like, oh shit. Um, this is the last one. Are you going to answer any of these questions or do you need Stephanie Meyer to do a Twitter chat first? Hashtag ask E.L. James. All right, so from this sampling of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven tweets, seven tweets, do you think, um, which percent, what percentage do you think maybe actually read the books or are just going based on what they heard other people say? Um, let's see. I'm guessing the first one didn't. Uh, second one didn't. Third one didn't. Uh, fourth one didn't. 
fifth one probably didn't. Uh, sixth one probably did. Um, I'd say probably twelve percent. Yeah, yeah, something like <laughs> that. Okay. Here's here's my uh, first of all, we reviewed the book, and I think that um, you know, do we poke fun at the author? Sure. Um, was the writing bad? Yes, in our opinion, it was bad. Was the storytelling bad? Yeah, probably. Um, but we didn't like personally attack the author, and that's kind of what this this felt like. Like most of these were fairly personal. Okay, so that's your objection, right? Yeah, that's well, that and the fact that, like I said, I think people are commenting based on my my other. I guess my other objection is that again, I only read the first book twice from two different perspectives. I still fail to see the abuse in in Fifty Shades of Grey, at least in that specific first book, and then the the Grey retelling. I mean, there was the one part in Fifty Shades of Grey where she said, "This is not my thing, and I don't want to do it. But if I don't, I feel like I'll lose you," which is pretty much essentially what happens in an abusive relationship. Well, but okay. So now let's, let's take a step back. <laughs> and shouldn't the person leave the relationship? I mean, isn't that what all relationships are? Right. Uh, but I, want, I want more. I want more candy and flowers, and I don't want to give them to you. Well, then you either are going to be okay without the candy and flowers, or you leave. Okay, but like, there's a like a there's a victimization, and there's like psychological damage and stuff that happens. Like, it's not always as easy as just saying, "Okay, well then, just leave." Like, okay. it's like being it's like putting <laughs> cigarettes. Yeah. No, I get it. Let me, let me put it this way. The entire book took place over the course of a month. So this isn't like she was financially dependent on him or they were married and had kids or whatever. They literally were on like two dates. So you, wait, is your stance on the Ask E.L. James hashtag that it's not about abuse? Yes. Well, that's one of the things wow. that I find wrong with these tweets. That's is a that revelation. It, yeah, I, I mean, I just, like I said, it was kind of a personal attack. Listen, I am not a fond supporter of E.L. James, but I am willing to step outside my dislike of her writing and, and defend her as a person and say, hey, listen, she wrote some fan fiction that she enjoyed writing, and people liked it enough that a publisher said, hey, we like this. Can you rewrite this? And we think you'll earn bag loads of money. I'm going to be honest with you. We talk to a lot of writers, and I imagine that a far larger percent of the 7% that maybe read the book that tweeted would take that offer. I'm going to go and say as high as 65, 70%. If they said, hey, listen, we can get you close to E.L. James money if you do this, that they would take that money. I would take that fucking money. You would take that money, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So what I'm saying, I guess, is... Wait, wait, so because she's rich, she's uh, immune from being criticized for what she did? No, 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 no. She's being criticized for, for writing the books, which she was asked to do by a publisher who paid her. Right? Yep. So, I mean, at what point do you say, you know what, the woman was asked to do something that somebody thought would have some impact and, and some people would enjoy, and lots of people did, because number one best-selling author for four books now. If we like it or not, she was asked to do it. I don't think we can fault her for that. Yeah, but <clears throat> anybody can express an opinion about anything. It's fucking the internet. Well, yeah. That's like, true. she should expect yeah. that. Well, no, no. And like I said, we started saying this was a bad idea from the get <laughs> I mean, just doing this hashtag. It just seemed like a lot of the tweets, even if they were entertaining, were under-informed, just hateful without any real substance, and probably by people who all they've heard is what other people have had to say. Yeah, but it book. completely aligns with, with like my impression of the book. I would, I'd be on your side if I thought they were wrong. 
No, I don't think most of these are wrong. At least the ones about the quality of the writing aren't wrong. Um, I would say I would come out definitively as saying that even if it's not intended, the actual uh, content of the book does, in a way, promote um, unhealthy relationships. Abuse might be a little bit of a of a strong word to use, but being in an unhealthy relationship. Isn't that the basis for every romance novel ever? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I haven't read all of them, but I get the impression that far more books from the romance category, air quotes, um, probably have less spanking and more of the same thing this book does. <sighs> That's fucked up. Yeah. I can't believe I thought... I thought you were going to be upset. Well, I mean, I guess you kind of are with like the cyberbullying aspect. Is that kind of? That's what I said. Some of these are just personal attacks. And again, I, I guess my, I guess if you and I are going to talk about the quality of our writing, we spend fucking lots of hours reading what eleven hundred pages of yeah. this woman's work. So if we're going to comment on it, at least we're informed. Okay. So I guess that's my. Mm. All right. So, the, <laughs> all right. I mean, I get what you're saying. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. You're, I, you're not wrong. I just really think that th- things like this need to happen <laughs> sometimes. Is that? Am I the bad person in this conversation? I, I find it interesting. <laughs> That typically it's me that says, yeah, fuck these people. They get what they get kind of attitude. Yeah, we're kind of switching yeah. roles here. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, for anybody, if this is your first time listening to a podcast, I have no love for E.L. James. I really don't. The books were, were, were bad at best, if not just brutally terrible, you know? So, I don't know. I mean, this is definitely my opinion, what I'm about to say, but this is what happened. Everybody fucking loved Twilight. And E.L. James had the opportunity to take advantage of that by um, making a book that essentially rewrote Twilight, but with some spanking and shit like that. There was no originality involved in it. There was obviously a very huge lack of like uh, um, writing talent, but I also think there was a lack of responsibility about what the message of the story was. That's my belief. Um. Then she got swept up in the fact that, like, everybody bought and loved and was crazy about this book. And I guess I guess my problem is um, being a sensation or being swept up in hype doesn't excuse you from the responsibility of the actual impact of what you're doing. Um, instead of going down a road where uh, she decided to take... Like kind of like Brandon was saying in the last episode where she decided to take the fame and the platform that she was on and do something original and really kind of like put the E.L. James stamp on something that was 100% her own. She went back to the exact same thing before that she was already being criticized about and reinforced it, which um, it makes it even worse. So I don't know. I think there was a lot of missteps and the legitimacy that she has is just based on being caught up in hype and being kind of the it thing and there's no real value or merit to what she did and um i think that's why i think uh, i'm getting the big schadenfreude out of this like i'm really um caught up in this person did some 
irresponsible or just kind of careless thing. And, you know, it shit like this is bound to happen due to it. Oh, no. And I mean, and we, we live in we live in that society. I mean, one and it doesn't matter you know who you are, if you're a newscaster and you say the wrong thing, if it's errant or not, or you take a position that's unpopular, the Internet will come get you. <laughs> um, I, I mean, that's really what happens nowadays, right? I mean, I'm sure that in some ways this happened more internally 20 plus years ago where a lot of people thought the same thing. The yeah. one thing that the Internet allows us to do is group with like minded people. And if that's if it's you, Hadiel James or, you know, whatever your your whatever your weird kink even is. And I think that that incites a little bit of a of a riot mentality, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's that's what happened here. I, I, I highly doubt when when you look through, because I, I spent a good portion of that day hitting the hashtag and scrolling through, <laughs> yeah, and getting angrier and angrier about it. To be honest, looking at it, and and I'm I'm you know again, I, there's no way for me to say for sure, but I guarantee you, vast majority of those people came across it, saw someone's funny. Um, tweet and said, oh, I can say something funny, too, and didn't approach it from the standpoint of, oh, look, ask E.L. James, I'm going to say something mean. I, I think that, again, it was kind of the mob mentality. Yeah. Yeah. You know that everything's cool till someone <laughs> threw the first bottle and then, you know, shit got out of control. I'll, I'll give you that. And I mean, there's a reason that I didn't participate with the hashtag because um, I, I don't I don't buy into that method of attack, you know. I, I I essentially think that we established this podcast to give us legitimacy in, in airing those types of grievances. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I'll give you we that. We should talk but. people privately. <laughs> so we do a bunch of text messages and screenshots <laughs> of stupid shit people say on Facebook, sent back and forth. <laughs> as as recently as probably like the last six hours, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll give you that. Um, it is kind of a craven way to to approach someone. But really, and you're right, the internet has... I was talking to someone the other day about Heroes. and um, The TV show? <laughs> I was yeah, I was serious. like, dude, save the cheerleaders, save the <laughs> yes. world. Mm-hmm. Um, no, just the idea that like that we... I think that my generation, which probably includes you, is one of the first that didn't have Heroes. Um. Maybe, maybe not. But the idea basically being that with the Internet, we have instead of heroes that are unreachable and legendary, we have access to anybody at any time. And I think it's the same thing for for villains. We we have the ability to confront them pretty much face to face. That's a very interesting point you make there. And you're right. Um, and I think that's why, and you're right, because we're the first generation. So, I mean, God, I remember being on the View Askew forum and that being my first brush, you know, internet brush with celebrity was asking Kevin Smith about books he likes and having him respond. And I was like a giddy little schoolgirl, you know, like, oh, my God, this guy that I idolize yep. answered my question. And nowadays it's still very cool when that happens or where, you know, somebody reaches out that that's someone I respect and admire, you know, from before doing this podcast or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it does. It, it is a little less, you know, I don't know, a little less it's, cool than I guess it was initially. <laughs> yeah. The Internet is like kind of the great equalizer, but it's also like the great anonymizer. Like if everybody had to. Like if if the if the consequence of doing an Ask E.L. James hashtag was that like everybody at work knew you sent that tweet, 
maybe you would have thought differently about it. You know, I think about this, and both both you and I work in, in retail. I don't think that's a secret, right? <laughs> Not a secret. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have this conversation frequently with my coworkers where, where I'll, I'll, I'll overhear an interaction or, or I'll be part of one. And, you know, and I'll turn around and say, you know what? That's the kind of thing someone only is only brave enough to say when they're in your place of employment. Because if they said that in a parking lot, the chance of someone punching them in the mouth would be pretty high. <laughs> and that's, but that's the same thing, right? So how many of these people would have run up to yell James in the street and yelled this in her face? Yeah, probably the same percentage that read her book. Uh, yeah. Well, you mean the same percentage of people that were disparaging her that read her book? Right. Yes, yes. No, no, yes. Yeah, I'm sorry, in relation <laughs> so to this, yeah. But hugely what, different numbers. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? right? So most people wouldn't have run up and, and, you know, and asked her a question like that. They would have been like, oh, no shit, there's the old James. I'm right. going to ask for an autograph. Yeah, because that's the kind of duplicitous bitches that live in this world. Correct. So, mm. any rate, are we done with the old James forever now? Yeah, but I like your idea of talking about... Um, or, you know, how you said, like, you know, like we were talking about the heroes just now and people reaching out, you know, that that were heroes before we met the po- made the podcast, because that shit happens frequently now. And it's something that we kind of have to handle is like these people live as legends in our mind, but they're also people that like like our comments on Facebook and stuff like that. So, oh, yeah, yeah. it's that it's it, you know, what? it's super cool getting a happy birthday from somebody who, you know, you've been a big fan of for years and years now is, is super cool. And we're not, you know, celebrities by any 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 stretch of the word but you know i feel like we rub elbows with celebrities now which is kind of cool we're we're like um oh it was a kato kalen that's like who we are yeah Wait. you know like we're not important that was the oj simpson guy right that was the guy who did this. <laughs> a, were we driving someone somewhere in a fucking yeah. ford bronco i'm you cool never with know. that i'm down you never know hey authors so I, if you I ever, have a white suv <laughs> if you do it's perfect you ever kill your wife we'll drive you somewhere um, certain authors, all authors that need not apply, certain authors will privately message you <laughs> if you're part of the caravan. <laughs> so. But um, I, back to Twitter, uh, the other day, Craig Clevenger mentioned that he had sent us a little taste of something that he's working on. And How fucking cool was that? Right. Still, that's like that's a moment where I'm like, man, I feel pretty badass about that. Um, <laughs> which, like... It just imagine, put yourself in the shoes of like it's 2010, so we haven't started the podcast yet. And like mm-hmm. um, somehow Craig, Craig Clevenger just sends you something that he's writing. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I mean, it's okay. So, peek behind the curtain, we may have mentioned this once. I'm not even sure if that was on a public podcast or not. Um, when we, uh, when the submissions were sent out for the booked anthology, one of the first ones to come back was Craig Clevenger. I think it was the second response that we received. It was. And I, okay. I was working at a location that is not the location I'm working at now. Um, and I, I, I broke into a huge smile and I was really super excited. And everyone there thought like I must've won the lottery because I, as you might be able to tell from listening to this podcast, I'm not exactly the shiniest, happiest guy in the world. Um, <laughs> Like, that's the level of excitement I got. At that point, we'd interviewed him. We'd had interaction with him and stuff, you know. But it was just so cool to, to have somebody. And, and now, now to, to have a piece, a piece of something that's not available to everybody else, this is like that, that like, fuck you thing on on, uh, on Facebook. Like, we've got this thing, but I can't talk about it yet. This is our podcast equivalent of that. Yeah. Vague booking. Vague booking. Vague, Vague. potting. That's the one I was going for. Um, 
Did you read it? You know what? I haven't, and here's why. I have not been able to string together some peace and quiet. I've been working like fucking ridiculous the last, I don't know, five days or so. So, no. But it's on my list of things to do this evening, actually. Excellent. I, I, I did get a chance to read it, and I'm, nev- I'm not going to say one word about what it is because, you know, love and respect to Mr. Clevenger. He did a thing he didn't have to. <clears throat> but it does remind me just how terrible other people write in comparison <laughs> <laughs> I know that's awful to say, but like when you're reading <laughs> someone who truly understands the craft of writing and then you think about other shit you've read very recently by, you know, hashtag Askiel James, for example, it's just yeah. it's just a, so- a stark reminder of just like how good it can be versus how fucking just terrible it can be. It's, um, you know, and the, the thing about, about Clevenger, and I'm not going to say there aren't people that can't, that aren't, you know, prolific, that, that aren't very, very good, but it seems like he, he doesn't write it till it's time. Yeah, yeah. There's not that, like, he doesn't have that I need to be writing all the time thing. He has, he has the, like, I need to be writing when I, when I need to write. Yeah, and, like, and that might contribute a little bit. Not that he wouldn't be just as uh, as good a writer if he wrote more frequently, but I think that, uh, you know, I'm the kind of guy who, you know, if you take something out and says, oh, let's sit and defrost for half hour like bullshit, it's going like right in the microwave. <laughs> and, and I'm guessing the great chefs of the world don't do that. They let it defrost for half an hour. I don't know if the great chefs really do a bunch of microwaving. Well, how else do they make food? Um, with the whole entire kitchen. No, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna get into this. This is <laughs> some kind of witchcraft. I didn't mean to derail your analogy. <laughs> That's all right. You get what I'm saying, though. I think he just waits until the time is right. So yeah, I'll give you that. Um, but yes, very exciting. Thank you, Mr. Clevenger. In the event that you are listening this evening, um, thank you very, very much. Absolutely happy. I'm happy when stuff like that happens. All right, so yeah, that's definitely on my reading list, and yeah, I'm gonna do some. Oh, hey, you know what occurred to me the other day? Hmm. Not only is this lazy summer of podcasting, um, we actually will have an, another episode or two where we don't have to do anything because we've got Nora at the bar later this month. Oh, nice! It's even even lazier summer of podcast. <laughs> that's where we make people do the work for us. Fucking a right! This is awesome. So it's um, July twenty second. Um, at Noir at the Bar, Chicago. It's going to be at Sylvie's Lounge again, which was a which was a cool place. I liked that place um, last time we were there. That is definitely some kind of mob-owned place, right? Got to be because there was like nobody there. Yep, it was like the one guy looking angry that we were in there reading from books. Yeah. How am I yeah. going to beat someone up in here now? <laughs> that kind of thing. That's fucking terrible. <laughs> that's the best you're getting out of me. That's my that's my mob guy. How am I going to beat someone up now? Um, I'm I'm excited. Bada bing. Um, I'm excited to to be introduced um, to some new writers, new to me and you, I think, right? So John Weegley appeared in God damn it, episode nine. I don't know, forever ago, <laughs> back during AWP Chicago. <laughs> it was what, maybe episode forty, fifty. Um, it was definitely not triple digits. Yeah. So a long ass time ago, John Weegley was on reading from. Um, Oh, God, where were we? Uh, oh, it was the Galloway Arms. Yes. Do you know how much harder this is going to be to do in 10 years when I have full-blown Alzheimer's? <laughs> You're going to have full-blown Alzheimer's in 10 years? Dude, you realize how bad my memory is? You, of all people, should realize just how I don't fucking remember anything. 
Wrong kind of reading. Uh, episode 74. That's when it was. 74. So, um, so, but other than that, here are some other readers that are going to be in attendance. Eric Beatner, Lori Raider Day. Raider Day? You think that's right? Raider Day. Day. Sure. Day. Carmen Yaramillo. Whoa. Do you like that? Nice that was, newscaster. That was, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was uh, to make up for that mob accent you did. Oh, bada bing. <laughs> Um, and Josh K. Stevens, so five readers, North of our Chicago, July 22nd at Sylvie's Lounge. Um, this is not, I repeat, not invitation only. If you are in the Chicago area, please um, come out. Um, if you're a listener podcast, stop and say hello. That's always nice. We've met a couple of listeners that we didn't know at, uh, at recent events, which was pretty cool. So definitely um, let us know. Um, we might have some book swag, right? We have some book swag left over from last time. Um uh, swag's getting pretty thin, but we, we we might have some stuff. We'll probably we'll try and do some hosters. Yep, there might be some hosters. I think I still have some bookmarks, booked marks. I think I have uh, some stickers. I don't think we'll have t-shirts available then, but the book t-shirts are returning. Yeah, we're gonna give it a shot, man. Yeah, so um, I know we've been asked by some people that uh, our initial run of t-shirts ran out, and uh, we thought that was all the interest there was, and we were wrong. So there will be book T-shirts coming soon to a website near you, um, but they not in time for I don't think not in time for Sylvie's Lounge. So, well, um, but if you're interested in that kind of thing, um, a great way for us to know is by telling us on Twitter, Facebook, comments on our website, uh, contribute on Patreon, and tell us there. I think that's my favorite way. That is the best way to tell, um, yes, to tell us anything. We haven't been talking about Patreon lately. You know what we did at Patreon recently? What did we do at Patreon recently? We exclusively posted my chapter breakdown of Grey only on the Patreon website. Um, I did not know that, but that's very cool. I can't <laughs> wait for that to get out into the public because um, your one on Zoo was uh, was uh, well received. By oh, I didn't even tell you this. But I watched the first episode of the TV show Zoo. Oh, and um, was that <laughs> was that as as bad as I would think it is? Um, it's a little bit. I can go into uh, I can go into kind of the a little blow by blow, a little synopsis if you want. I'd like that. Would you really? Yeah, actually, I'm not going to watch it, so I'm I'm actually kind of interested to see if this is better on TV. <clears throat> Anybody who doesn't know, uh, episode 105. We reviewed Zoo by James Patterson and some guy who actually wrote it. Um, we hated it. And in addition to uh, reviewing it, I actually wrote a chapter breakdown where um, if I had comments in a specific chapter, I would just kind of kept a running thing. And it's been wildly popular on the Booked Bonus website. A lot of, a lot of hits for that. A lot of people who found and read that went over and listened to the episode. So, And the Zoo episode is one of our most downloaded. So it was a big hit. Born out of our hate. <laughs> our most popular episodes are typically um, of books we ones. hate. You know, maybe that's what we should just do: is read books that we hate. Oh God, dude, fuck! I don't mind doing it once in a while. It's a nice <laughs> change, but Jesus, it would make us really hate books. Um, so anyway, I watched the I watched the first episode of the show. It was free on iTunes, so there was no no investment except for my time. And so essentially, in the in the in the first episode, it starts out with um, remember the na- main character's name is Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, Oz is working in Botswana. Um, 
It doesn't start out in New York. And uh, he's doing like some kind of like tour guide kind of stuff, um, showing people around Botswana and the wildlife and all that kind of stuff. And that's when the weird shit starts to happen with the animals attacking people unnaturally. And um, right out of the gate, uh, the lions are attacking people and he runs into the French chick and all that stuff. So it jumps ahead like halfway through the book is where it begins. And, um, and so pretty significantly different than the book, not any better. Um, but the whole idea is that it seems like the TV show is going for the angle of like humans have been terrible for so long that the animals are standing up for themselves and that there's some biological thing called, Oh, what was it called? The, uh, defiant pupil. Uh, which was an indicator that animals were acting um, unnaturally. And so at one point, he's looking in the eyes of a lion that's attacking them, and he sees that one of the pupils in their eye, in the left eye, looks un- unnatural uh, or abnormal. And so then he, because his father, in his in this, in the TV show, his father was a scientist who everybody thought went crazy, uh, talking about how animals um, will go to extremes to defend themselves. So it's it's really different. Um and not good. <laughs> One of the first scenes is like there's these two guys leaving a club in L.A. and they go around into an alley and one guy's taking a piss up against like a like a storage container kind of thing and he just hears a lion growling and it turns out that lions had escaped the zoo and they were attacking people in the streets. It was just terrible. It was terrible stuff. I have to imagine. So CBS had... Um, some pretty decent success with the first two seasons of Under the Dome, um, which I watched. And you know what? I, I did not read the book, so I, I can't say comparatively, blah, 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 whatever. But you know what? The first two seasons were okay. I didn't run around recommending it to people because I didn't think they were very good. But, you know, summer TV, there's not a whole lot on. Um, season three started, and it's just a shit show. It's terrible. <laughs> um, but I have to imagine that um, not only they have Zoo, they probably have a third something in the works, too, in case Zoo does well, that they could throw down, which would be, uh, you know, I don't know, can 1Q84 as a TV show or something. I don't know. Jesus, fuck. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, adaptation from a book by a major author and... Uh, you know they, they make some money in the in the tough summer months so i don't know under the dome is is the season they're, they're only whatever i think it's technically three episodes in because the first one was two hours um just terrible 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 Marty, that traumatizes me even more with like the whole like hannibal not being renewed for a fourth season yeah yep um but i was reminded the other day that uh the Miriam Black story will be adapted for a TV show, so that brings a little bit of love and hope back into my life. Happen Leonard, too. Oh, I know you've right. never read, but um, I think from what I saw, it looks like they may have wrapped shooting. There was um, there, there was a picture posted on the Happen Leonard page on uh, on Facebook that um, said something like, "Oh, it's a wrap," and it was you know like forty five people in like a group photo, it looked like it was cast and crew kind of thing. So. Um, very excited about both of those, but you know what both of those have in common? What's that? The Stars Network. Yeah, I'm digging them. Isn't there, aren't the, isn't that the network that does? Uh, no, Cinemax does. Your Banshee. fucking Banshee. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, here's the thing. Um, they, yeah, they, I, Spartacus was on Stars, which I still think is one of one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Um, it, it, along the lines of Hannibal, those stations don't cater to the average person. So CBS will only adapt something by the biggest name, you know, authors, and it's got to be kind of family friendly and kind of safe. You mm-hmm. know, Hannibal has a guy eating people every week. It's shocking that NBC took that on. It's not shocking that the NBC viewer um, isn't into it enough to. Yeah, that's that's what I think is is uh, is part of the issue. Had that have been on Showtime with maybe a little more nudity and some language and the fact that they don't have to pull in the same amount of money that the the big networks do. Because they're getting subscription revenue. Yeah. Yep. You could. And and they are okay with DVD sales and they're okay with um, stuff going to Netflix and not on Amazon where I didn't realize this until this week that when you have Amazon prime, not everything is free. You still have to go on and pay for episodes of things. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of weird. Any rate. So I don't know what kind of revenue Amazon is pulling in for, for TV shows. I think Hannibal's on Amazon, right? Yep. Yeah. So I think, Maybe had they have gone a different route and Hannibal was on Stars with some Netflix revenue behind it, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, little... even though I haven't watched the se- this season of Hannibal, I did enjoy the first um, the first couple seasons, and uh, I am sorry to see it go. But again, it still could be picked up by Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or somebody. It's dead. Okay. <laughs> the uh, the latest news is that the showrunner is already doing that American Gods TV show based on the fucking Neil Gaiman book. Based on my least favorite Neil Gaiman book. That's going to get us some fucking E.L. James hate right there. <laughs> I didn't like American Gods. <laughs> um, all the cast has also been released. They're not, they, they haven't been um, retained for another season, so it's pretty much dead in the water. Um, Mads is already looking for new work, and so is uh, Hugh Dancy, or whatever his name is. It's unfortunate, and, and the thing that's most unfortunate about that is um, I kind of like it when shows know their endings so they can give, and I realize the Hannibal story doesn't end at the end of the season because I'm familiar with you know all the other books, all the other Hannibal stories, um, but it just feels like this could end in some kind of like cliffhanger, yeah. which always sucks as a fan. So at least yeah. if they know beforehand, they have that option to at least close significantly close a chapter. Dude, if Brian Fuller really wanted to just like blow his entire audience away, he convinces NBC to do like hour and a half to two hour episodes and he just finishes the whole fucking story within the rest of this season. <laughs> that could be. Do you remember, um, oh, I was going to call it Tombstone, but that's not what it's called. Deadwood? Yep, Deadwood, for sure. That's what was supposed to happen with Deadwood was like two two hour movies and it just never happened. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, uh, are we far enough off the beaten path yet? Um, <laughs> we were talking about Noir at the Bar. Did we yeah, finish so talking about Noir at the Bar? Kinda. <laughs> um, I know that Jet Air is posted up um, July 17th, which is sooner than our... Oh, we're hosting that Chicago one. That's another reason to come out. Yeah, as I said, people want to stop out and say hello. <clears throat> uh, he's got one July 17th at the Mushuga Cafe in St. Louis with... Um, I really wish I could make it down. John F.D. Taff is going to be reading along with Joseph Hirsch, Liam Cassidy, and the ever-entertaining Scott Phillips. Yeah, speaking of endings, huh? I love the Meshuggah Cafe, and apparently this is the final noir at the bar there. 
What? I didn't hear about this. Oh, yeah. That's how when I the first post I saw was that this was it, when I misread it, thinking final noir at the bar, just the final one at the Meshuggah Cafe. I guess it's changing owners and I guess they don't feel confident. Yeah, it sucks. You know, so um, not that noir at the bar in St. Louis is dead, but uh, the Meshuggah Cafe uh, likely to no longer be the host unless something changes. So, so the Meshuggah Cafe is dead to us. They had awesome coffee. They did. Yeah. Well, Jed might have had something to do with that. I don't know. That could be. But uh, yeah, so um, it's going to be a good week for Noir at the Bar, the final Meshuga Cafe um, reading, and uh, of course, a booked, hosted reading in Chicago, five days apart. That's, hey, uh, I just thought of something. Uh-huh. Isn't it kind of suspicious that John F.D. Taft ends up landing a Noir at the Bar reading after having come on the podcast where we're like super Noir at the Bar people? <laughs> suspicious you say <laughs> the gears the gears are running in my head now because i think offline we did tell john to check out the noir at the bar i think it's i'm gonna i'm gonna just go ahead and take credit for that um we take credit for lots of things um not always on the <laughs> podcast i will say that uh earlier when i had said that we're, we're not you know celebrities i stand by that but i do think that we're a conduit i do think that we see things happen that I'm not sure would have happened if we were not, I don't want to say the catalyst, but at least the connector yeah. between two things. We, I mean, there's fucking like daily reminders now. Mm-hmm. You know, so. This probably makes us sound super conceited and stuff like that. But here's the thing. It's not that I'm proud of it. because I, I still haven't figured out how to translate this into money. Yeah. So once we figure that out, then I'm going to sound really fucking conceited. I think we need to like, I think we need to control the information better because we just throw information out there. We need to be like uh, one of those people that like, I'll make things happen, but you're going to owe me a favor. That's you right. know, like, why one am day, I not beating someone up right now? <laughs> one day we may call upon you. Right. We need to do that. But uh, good, to, good to see that John F.D. Taft will be at uh, North Bar in St. Louis. And if he's ever in Chicago, I'd love to see that guy read. So yeah. that would be, uh, that would be awesome to incorporate him into a, uh, a Chicago Noir at the Bar event. Hell yeah. And since we got sidetracked, let's not forget who makes Noir at the Bar Chicago possible. Because it's not me and you, because it was up to us to do the work. Hmm, probably wouldn't happen. Jay Kingston, thank you again for including us in your Noir at the Bar Chicago event. He will be the, uh, the, the, what do we call him? He's got to have a title, right? If we're hosting, what does he do? He's the uh, coordinator. Oh, wait, wait. We're MCs, I think is what it is, and he's the host. He's the host. We're the MCs. I like that. We're the masters of ceremony. Correct. So uh, thank you, Mr. Hinkson, for hosting um, Chicago Noir at the Bar, and thanks for having us on board. Damn right. All right. I think it's going to wrap up our our first of many episodes of of our lazy summer of podcasting. Uh, Look forward to interviews, uh, guest hosts. I was... Olivia's had to do a little driving around today, and I went back for for the sake of nostalgia. And I listened to our Halloween spectacular. Oh, I'm sorry, spooked spectacular, mm-hmm. and our uh, Christmas spectacular from last year. And that is some of the most entertaining stuff. So, I think we might have to find a reason to do a spectacular. Oh, I'm sure we could probably come up with something. So, um, as always, feel free to submit suggestions. Um, we're, we're open to reading them and laughing them off and then doing whatever we want anyway. That's right. Um, so, I think that's going to wrap it up for this one. Uh, check us out uh, the 22nd at uh, Noir at the Bar. Join us for some fun there. And come back next week. I think we probably 
if everything works out well, have an interview on the books. The books. The books. Until next time, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Sned. Keep listening. <laughs>